Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, 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 it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Love you guys so much. I don't want to do a lot of PSAs today because I am telling you what, I have waited forever for my guest book to come out because I am obsessed with her, what, who, with her, with her content of her book. I need you guys to go pick up this book. We are talking today about race, racial, oh my goodness, can't even say it, reconciliation. No PSAs today, straight to my guest. Welcome to the show, Tasha Morrison. How are you? Girl, let me tell you it's something. So good. They they pitched me your book. Uh, when was that, Cassie? Was it like um, I don't even like five years ago? And I was like, <laughs> her. I want her on. Wait, I mean, I had a lot. I had we had a lot of authors to go through, and I was like, no, her. I want to talk to her. I want to talk to her. And they're, I'm like, I want her on like in a week. And they're like, her book doesn't come out until I think it's October, right? Was it? Did it come out? Yeah, October? it's October the 15th. October 15th. Yeah. Okay, so this is going to air after it comes out. But I'm like, I can't wait that long. I want to talk to her right now. And they're like, well, her book doesn't come out until October. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we have waited I forever know. for you. We have waited forever. Um, I want to get straight into it, but I also want to give you just, I have a biracial family. I have adopted two four-year-old little nuggets. They are my world. I have four kids. Uh, I have two bios and then I have two adopted and, um, they are African American little prince and princess. And so this is is a substantial wow. topic for my family. But it's very personal. It's very, very personal okay. for me. And so that's why, I mean, they're four now, um, you know, going on 15, especially my little, my little, uh, I've got a, a Moses is, is um, I've got a boy and a girl. Moses is okay. um, a little bit older than Haven. And then Haven, I mean, she's like, you know, she, she's, she's like, the most incredible personality you've ever met. I'm just, I'm interested right. in everything that she says. But anyway, so this is personal for me. And yes. I think be, I'm white. There's nothing I can do about that, you know? And I think mm-hmm. there is a bunch of people that are misunderstanding this racial divide that we have in our country. And I was so excited to have you on the show to talk about it. So you've written a book called... Um, be, the be the bridge pursuing God's heart for re- racial reconciliation. And yes. I want you to tell me about, I, I know you, you worked at a church in Austin and you realized that mm-hmm. it was an issue. So tell me about that realization that racial reconciliation needed to happen. Tell me about that. Well, yeah, I think sometimes we can all, we all grow up. If we're growing up in America, we're growing up with blind spots as it relates to um, just our um, racialization of our society, and that's through history and so many other complex issues. And I think uh, one of the things that 
we I grew up thinking um, was that the church was kind of separate from that in a sense. Like, you know, you read about history and you're like, okay, well, where were the Christians? And then you realize that, okay, the Christians were part of the um, the infrastructure of this um, racial hierarchy, you know, mm. um, you know, and so um, that was just my realization. And one of the things I, I worked in a um, African American church when I was um, when I first lived in Atlanta, and then um, after leaving that church, I, I went um, was working contract work with a, a church here in Atlanta um, that was predominantly white, and you know we started having little conversations and and different things. But I just really felt compelled to be in a um, in a a white church, and I didn't know why. Um, you know, it wasn't that it was a comp- it was comfortable for me. It, you know, my worship style was different, um, you know, and all of that. And so when I moved to Austin, I took a job in Austin. I was on staff at a church and I would notice from comments and different things that um, although as a as a African-Americans, as I integrate into this world, in order to thrive and survive, um, I must learn to um, to live cross-culturally. Um, I must embrace um, multi, multi-ethnic environment. Um, I must understand what it means to be in a predominantly white space. Um, and so I'm used to going outside of my racial boundaries um, um, to, um, to integrate into with different people. And so what I noticed in Austin is Everybody wasn't used to that. Um, that's mm. not the case for everyone. Um, and so there are people who grow up and they've never had a friend that was of a different race. Um, they've never had, they've never eaten in the home of someone that was a different race. So the only thing they know about people of a different ethnicity is when they've um, maybe done a missions um, project or if they're healthy in another community, but never like peer to peer, um, um, you know, yes. integration. And so, so that was just surprising to me. I can tell like some of my coworkers, they had never worked with, a um, another person of color. And these are people that were in their thirties, you know, <laughs> in their late twenties, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And so just comments that were made to me and I'm thinking like, Oh my goodness! I don't want you to ever say that again. Like I, I can, I can give you grace for saying that, but I know people that would, that would destroy them. That would cause mm. so much trauma in people if you were re- to repeat what you just said to me. And so my thing is because I love you and because I want the best for you, and I know that some of this is because of ignorance. Um, I want to make sure that I'm helping you in this same process. And so um, that was the thing. And so there was just some things were happening in, in, in America and things were being said. And I'm like, we really need to have some real talk. Like yeah. we need to stop skating over and being afraid to have some real dialogue about this. We didn't create the problem. Um, it's not, it's a mess. It's broken. It's complicated. But, tell you on my watch I want to create a better future for the next generation Mm. um the same that was created for me and so my thing is like you know I'm gonna do it afraid you know Mm. um you know basically courage is fear that has um said its prayers and so (laughs) I want to 
engage this conversation. I want to talk about those hard things. I want to give grace, um, you know, and, you know, and really try to understand. And one of the things I realize is that we don't share the same common memory of history Mm -hmm. or language and so many other things that, and then this causes the, the divide. And so, but when you start bringing truth into the conversation, people start listening and yeah. people start responding and people want to do better. They want to be better. They yeah. want to know, they want to understand, they want unity, they want oneness. Um, and so those are some of the things that started happening. And, and a lot of it stemmed from, uh, you know, a young lady said something really um um, hard to me. She said that people loved their slaves. And, I, you know, it was just a conversation we were having. What? And that conversation <laughs> took me, yes. Uh, and I was like, how can you put love in a sentence oh when we're talking God. about chattel slavery? We're talking about the dehumanization of, of, of people, oh um, you know, from West Africa and other places. Um, you know, when we're talking about that as it relates to people being stripped of culture and language, God-given culture and language, yes. mm-hmm. um, you know, stripped of their humanity um, and say it was done in love or both took care of their slaves. I mean, just to even say that, it just tells you the ideology yeah. and this romanticized lie and view of this, this um, conversation that we've had. And I'm like, this is a Christian sister. And so um, if we're going to be in the same family of God, if we're a part of the kingdom of God, then we're going to have to talk about this, yeah. you know. Um, and so um, that's where it really started. Um, I just started having conversations with people about movies and different things and then eventually um, paired up with some friends of mine in Austin. And we started using the restorative justice model to um, have conversations um, on race and race relations and history and telling our stories. And I was just amazed at the um, the white ladies that showed up in this group. Um, it was probably about six people of color and about seven um, um, people of, of European descent. And basically, um, they listened. Mm. You know, they listened to our stories and just stuff that they had no idea of the experiences of what it means to be a person of color historically in this country. Um, and so that's where the conversation started, you know, and I just wanted to be a part of the solution. We, it's not our fault, but it is our responsibility as kingdom builders, as being a part of the kingdom of God, um, as being a part of a communal community. Um, it is our responsibility mm-hmm. as believers to be a part of the solution. And so I'm just doing my part. Um, there's a lot of parts out there. There's a lot yeah. of people doing a lot of wonderful things, different things. But this is just something that I'm doing as it relates to um, racial bridge building. I um so uh, we're we're going to run out. Of, I have so much to talk to you about. Um, so I'm oh, just going to get to it. I, uh, you know, coming as a white woman, I, you know, I've had conversations and I, and I will say, um, I've had conversations with, with, um, uh, with people just in my world and just, you know, whatever, especially uh-huh. after adopting our babies. And they have said uh-huh. to me, um, racism is not a problem. And I, I, first of all, I have to say, Lord, give me grace. I love him in Jesus name, because I don't think unless you have to confront it, 
you're going to think that ra- that that these little off-color comments and stuff like that are offensive. Now, if I'm standing right. in a room, um, you know, with other white people and you know, uh, having conversations, we're not gonna we're not gonna um, feel awkward about a comment or anything like that because there's there's nothing pointed at us. It's when right. you put yourself in a situation where you are the minority, where you you do start to have to deal with some of this these things. So when when people have told me, well, racism isn't a problem, I don't understand um, what what the deal is. I I have to I always disagree because now my family is in a situation where we are confronted with it on a regular basis. We just had an issue with my daughter two weeks ago. And I mean, I'm like major mama. I'm like mama bear, like on steroids. It's ridiculous. And someone had made a comment to my daughter. Granted, she was four, but it didn't matter. Um, I I immediately wanted to protect, wanted to stand in because I understand that there is, there is underlying situation, conversations that are probably happening in her family. She has no idea about that are Mm -hmm. filtering through to this child that's coming out at my child. So I, I, I want to stand and just be be a voice here for all of my listeners it is a problem it is a problem yeah. it is something that we yeah. must confront we have to talk about just because you don't experience it because maybe you're not a person from african descent or or um asian descent uh my my um my, uh, uh, well, she does everything, but we'll call her my assistant right now. Um, she, you know, she's from Asian descent. We had this conversation in my production yeah. meeting. You know, it's not just people from Africa. It is any minority race. We have yeah. got to start having these conversations and really confront the truth. I am a white mom. Yeah. My kids have a white dad, and we face it because we have beautiful children that are perfectly created by God um, that, that come from African descent. So this book about reconciliation, I think is, for me, is um, I, I want to use it as an awakening to maybe those yeah. people out there that have said in conversations, this is not a problem. Why should we, um, why are we talking about this? You know, uh, slavery was abolished, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. History is still history. And there is um, wounds that have carried over. And just like you said, I think you said, put it perfectly. Um, we didn't create the problem, but we have a responsibility to work through some of these things that were created as a result of it. Um, right. So to that... <laughs> <laughs> what do, what what can we say to to people like that out there that think like yeah. like this woman said to you um people love their slaves well i don't see anything wrong with that like why why is there a problem with that conversation what could, do you say and what do you say in your book be the bridge um what is a bridge building um uh, scripture what what can we learn from you what have you noticed and mm-hmm. what can we learn and what is part of the solution sorry that's a little question <laughs> well one of the things is i do this work in the spirit of john um, 17 and um, really where they will know you by the love that they will know me by the love that you have for one another. And it's talking about oneness, not sameness. So what we have embraced um, as it relates to indifference is we feel like anything that's other or anything that's different is wrong. 
and mm. um, or that we're better than someone else. And we have to understand that any supremacy outside of God's supremacy is idolatry. Yes. And if we're talking about people of faith, we have to go back to understanding if we truly believe this stuff, and we're just not talking about it, but we're living it as a lifestyle. If we truly believe that people are created in the image of God, and that not one race or ethnicity can re- reflect the totality of who God is. It takes every nation, every tribe to respect to reflect the totality of who God is. When we look at Revelation seven and seven and nine, when we start looking at that, we start understanding that this system, this ideology that we've embraced, um, is not reflective of the kingdom. When it causes us not to treat and love our neighbor as ourselves, because mm. I want to know about you, I love myself, and so if I'm <laughs> to love my neighbor as equally as I love myself, then there's some work that I have to do on my heart. And we've embraced and we've ingested some things that are not a part of the kingdom of God that does not reflect the oneness that Christ came and died for, the reconciliation of ourselves to God so that we can be reconciled to one another. And so this is, you know, we're all tribal in nature. And so we really have to take a step back and really, um, really embrace um, um, scripture. We have to really look at history and the parts of history. We have to listen to minority voices because the main ones, the main people that are out there saying that this is not a problem are people that are not people of color. And you have to listen to the majority of voices. You're going to always find outliers in anything. You're going to always find 5% of anybody that's going to agree with you. But that doesn't make (laughs) it right. And if we look at the history, I always say history keeps an account. History keeps receipts. And we can look at history. And we can look at the history of slavery, and we can say at one point it was legal, but it wasn't just. Mm-hmm. We can look at Jim Crow, and we can say that it was legal, but wasn't just. Yeah. We can look back at history and look at the people who stood on the side of, of justice and people who participated along with the culture and what the culture was doing, um, the complexities of that, people who benefited from that. We can look at all those things, but when we look at the account of history, people of color, mm. especially African Americans, Native Americans in this country, have always been on the right side of history. Mm. We've always said that child slavery was wrong. We've always said that Jim Crow was wrong. Uh, we've always said that you know certain things is right. It relates to the housing, um, the housing acts and voting rights acts and all those different things. Those things that were fought for through during the civil rights movement. Majority of Black people have always said those things were wrong. But there were a lot of people, including the church. I mean, think about the the critics of MLK. Who Mm. were the critics of Jesus? They were the religious people, you know? (laughs) And so we have to look at and say, I need to listen to minority voices. I need to listen to the marginalized voices of what they're saying. God always has a remnant of people. And it's always sometimes it's not the majority. The majority sometimes... I mean, we had chattel slavery in our country for 240 years. Mm. I mean, think about that. Centuries, generations of mm. people that didn't know what freedom was. Yeah. Mm. You know, what free will was, what choice was. Mm. You know, so that impacts generations. That trauma, that generational trauma is carried on. And so we have to look at that in order to understand today and what's happening with systemic racism. What we've embraced a lot of, we talk about individual racism because we come from, um, as a Western culture, a very individualistic culture. Yes, yes. But the Bible is communal. It's collective. 
Mm-hmm. It's collective culture. And so we have to look at what is happening today in order to, uh, uh, what happened in the past in order to understand today. So this is where I take people. When I'm talking to people who say that, I'm like, well, history doesn't reflect that. Yeah. <laughs> and systemic <laughs> racism is different. Understanding what racism is. And this is the thing, Autumn, that I realize is that most people, they don't understand this and they'll say things like that because of ignorance in a sense where they don't even understand the definition of racism. They mm-hmm. don't understand that there's different types of racism. There's interpersonal, there's represent, re- representational, um, there's systemic, that's institutionalized, and there's individual. We always go to individual racism, where if it's not a problem for me, it's not a problem for anyone else. But we have to look at systems, our education system, our judicial system, our health system, our religious system, all these systems that we have that operate, that create policies, that create social norms, that create belief systems, that create ideologies. All of these were founded mm-hmm. on Uh, on racism. Mm -hmm. They were founded on the principle that one group, because of the color of their skin, is better than another group because of the color of their skin. And And we created policies around that. And that is exactly what I feel like we need to wake up to. And I, and thank God for you and for what you're doing about, uh, with building the bridge with this book. (laughs) Because I, I, I've got to say, you know, it, I wasn't surrounded with many people of color, I would say, growing up. Um, I lived right. in a predominantly white community. My church was white. So when I started, I, I, I've, I have always loved diversity. I'm like obsessed with diversity. I call myself one eighth everything because I, I'm like one eighth Hawaiian. I'm for sure one eighth uh, Asian. I just have like, you know, honorarily these different races because I've, I love them. I love the culture. Uh-huh. I've always been someone that is attracted to diversity. And you know what? When I got serious about Christ and started started studying the scripture, I realized it's because that is the heart of the father. The heart of the father is diversity. What you talk about in Revelation, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Yeah. I mean, when we are um, uh, segregating and and, uh, and uh, not recognizing the importance of every nation, every tribe, every tongue, we, I mean, I, I, I just think sa- Satan is all in the mix. And I have long said that uh, racism in any form is satanic. That was part one of my conversation with Tasha Morrison. Um, We went on to record a whole nother show that you will hear tomorrow. It will be part two. Um, So I wanted to close out just this section of our show. Um, And you do not want to miss the show tomorrow. But one of the things that is so incredibly clear uh, from just the totality of our conversation is that there is a problem. Um, if you as a person uh, that someone that's white, listen, I'm white, too. OK, um, if we're looking around and we're saying racism isn't an issue, racism isn't a problem, it's because it doesn't affect you. I think this is one eye-opening factor that we have a responsibility to confront. Um, I know when we adopted uh, our two little babies, um, I had no idea the amount of racism that actually did exist. 
And now let me let me be clear. A lot of people are amazing. They are wonderful. We walk through the mall. People chase after my kids just to tell them how adorably cute they are. Um, I think our nature is to be loving and 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 caring, most of us. But there is a root of bitterness. There is a root of hatred. And that's what we're talking about. I'm not talking about the massive amount of people um, that don't have a problem with any people of color or, 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 uh, or something like that. I'm talking about we need to confront this root of hatred, this leaven that is leavening the lump um, in the body of Christ. So that is why I wanted to do this show. Um, I, I have seen it. I have experienced it. And I am passionate, if you cannot tell, about doing my part, doing my part to lend a voice to this issue Um, because it is there. It exists. 20 years ago, I would say it's not a problem. And then God slapped me in the face with reality and opened my eyes to what I was letting exist without saying anything about it. So um, I want you to catch part two tomorrow. Um, I don't think we could have had a better guest on this topic. She was amazing. I also want to say, if you want to meet, sign book, uh, have have, uh, Latasha Morrison sign your book, she will be at Bent Tree Bible Fellowship October 24th. She's doing a book signing there from 7 to 9 p.m. And um, I would love for you to go support her, meet her. Um, Her book is called Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation. Um, And stay tuned for part two tomorrow. Thank you for listening. You'll catch me back here tomorrow on The Autumn Mile Show. The Autumn Mile Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening. And join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.